marketing and HR. Wait, what? Welcome to Work Life Unbalanced. This tasty podlet is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions and Oracle Public Sector from the CPS HR Consulting Studios. So I will say that as much as I love working with you, I've never worked with like a marketing and employer branding person before and all my user and human resources. So when people start to talk about branding, because every time I open up a magazine, there's something about HR needs to, you know, market and brand and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, so is that like a logo or a slogan or something? Like, can you explain a little bit about what HR marketing really is? So I always look at it like this. And in, in life in general, um, there was a, well, I guess he's a sales trainer uh, guy and he has a big following. His name's Grant Cardone. And he has this book called Seller Be Sold. And in, in the book, the premise is that, look, no matter what you're doing in life, you're either selling something or you're being sold something. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide, you know, where are you on that pendulum? And I look at HR from the perspective of, especially at a strategic leadership level, right. that it's our job to sell things. And we're selling ideas and we're selling things like workforce plans and strategic plans and and just talent acquisition and everything that makes our organization run. Mm-hmm. And right next to that sales aspect is the communication strategy, right? Or the or the marketing mm-hmm. uh, the marketing strategy. And so we really have to look be mindful uh, when we talk about employer branding or HR branding or HR marketing what we're doing, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, we're trying to portray an idea or a management principle and to actually have people listen. Right. So when we talk about products and services, because it's one thing to sell, you know, a package of something or sell a survey or sell something you can put your hands on, let's say. But in HR, I'm also responsible for culture and engagement and, you know, some of these other, let's call them esoteric things. How does branding and marketing play into those things? Well, to answer your first question, it's not about the logo and the colors. Okay. So <laughs> we'll go back to that and I'll make sure, make sure that we're, we're, uh, we're clear on that. Um, generally, I think that that's the least important part of the brand. It's more of how are we overall communicating those esoteric things and trying to link them with feelings, mm-hmm. um, which sounds a little, I don't know, uh, touchy, touchy feely. feely. Yeah, right? <laughs> I guess. That's but, all uh, right, you know. But it really, we, we identify with emotion. And if you look at, let's say, a, a university that, that you went to or a professional sports team that uh, you love or that you hate, or even, you know, in the political arena, uh, a person running for president or mm-hmm. a person that currently is president that you either love or you hate, mm-hmm. right? There's an immediate reaction that that causes decisions to happen. So people use their emotion to decide and then use the facts to back up that decision, okay. right? Right, so you, you'll have a visceral reaction when you hear certain things. Um, and you tend to gravitate more toward that. So as someone who wants to attract people to my organization, what are some of the things I can do from a branding and marketing perspective that would make me 
that much more attractive, I guess, to potential employer employees or to just our current employees, because even doing internal marketing, I know, is another thing. What what are some of the things that I can do as an HR person to make some of those things happen? So you have two kind of plays on that, right? You have the long game and the short game. Okay. And the long game is that your organization actually takes on characteristics of people that work there and innately attract talent to come into uh, your talent funnel. Mm -hmm. The short game is that you actively manage um, the promotional strategy and how you're advertising for individual positions, uh, competencies, and uh, and whatnot, and and presenting that in a way that's going to reach the type of candidates that you want to fill those positions with. Okay, because in publics in the public sector, for example. We do a lot of advertising like on our own websites, like for recruitment and for things like that. So it's a part of marketing and branding. And, and when you said doing like a um, doing the outreach and things like that, is that just placing it on different platforms or is it more the content? Because I, what I tend to see is we'll take a job description or a class specification and just kind of put that online without any, you know, without any context and expect people to like read through all the bullet points. Is that Yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch there. I mean, one is like to take the perspective of the candidate. So mm-hmm. most, especially public sector jobs, it's almost as if they're written from the perspective that every other person applying to this job is aware of what an SSA or an AGPA is, right? It's it's no not awareness of uh, or coming from the perspective of a private sector. It's it, it's interesting. And then subsequently, how hard is it to figure out what you would actually do in that job? Mm-hmm. What's the process like uh, to apply? And is it transparent? So, if I'm going to ask you to supply a resume and take 18 tests. Um, I should have some visibility into why I'm doing that and what's the likelihood that I get an interview or, you know, is, should this just be something I'm prepared for or, you know, how long does that time period, does that, uh, recruitment take? Um, and, and we're kind of missing on that a lot of times. And then in addition, like you're selling the mission of the organization more so than the actual position. We should have an expectation as an employer that we're bringing somebody in at some level and they're not going to stay there. Right. We want to bring them in to grow them and to be, you know, a great, a great fit for our organization. Um, Maybe their first stop is this particular position, but, but there's more there. One stop on the tour. Right. Because I I think what we tend to do in, in the public sector is we have our, you know, post and pray kind of approach to recruitment where it's like, okay, let's just put something up and they'll, we'll just pray that we get some good candidates. And I think that that has worked historically, you know, I would say probably started to experience something different over the last 10 years where people really aren't staying in one position or staying with one organization for their entire career and they're moving around more. But where I think we fall down sometimes is that we try to push just working for this organization for X amount of time, but don't really talk about some of the other things that come with it. Like some of the public sector, not just not just the mission and the vision, but the perks that, that come with it, you know, how you're involved in your community. Um, 
competitively, you know, salary wise, it may not be as, you know, glamorous as what's in the private sector. You, you know, aren't going to get bonuses and things like that. So what advice would you give to organizations on how they can probably better highlight and and sell some of the mission that they're focused on? Well, really, first and foremost, um, there was a study I'm trying to pull up right here, uh, by about 5,000 professionals in 2018, it was done by Corn Ferry. Mm -hmm. And the top reasons for job change, the number one was that I'm bored and I need a new challenge. And I see in the public sector, there are so many different types of positions. and There's so much of a challenge to try to execute on a mission that's as big as, you know, dealing with you know, toxic chemicals in the state or, mm-hmm. or you know, the environment waterways or, or waterways. Or, yeah, absolutely. You know, These yeah. are the huge homeless problems. I mean, mm-hmm. the huge initiatives. Um, and it's certainly a challenge, right? So we, we have a competitive advantage there. The second one was culture doesn't fit with me and my values. And that's really what I think organizations should screen for is uh, culture and commitment to mission. Because if that's in alignment, you're probably going to have a fantastic employment employee for a very long time. Mm-hmm. The third uh, reason for job change was I have lost my job or expect I will. And a lot of times that comes into play when you're looking at uncertainty within an organization. And these were private and uh, public companies. So again, in this case, public sector, I feel would have a competitive advantage. The fourth one was higher salary, which, you know, public sector is obviously fighting a losing battle here. But Mm -hmm. the caveat to that is most millennials and people entering the workforce are, they're kind of least employees anyway, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're there for three to five years and you're going to use them um, and, and their talents to help better your organization. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, as a public sector organization, you can impart that vision and mission that they're going to continue and, and it's going to live within them as they move on to other opportunities that they have and make the, the world uh, a better place. But, right. and then the last one was politics was 3%, which is probably a wash between the two, right. <laughs> between well, the two places. I think one of the things you touched on that I think is important and sometimes we miss the mark with is the internal marketing. So you do have someone in a position, you know, three to five years, what are we doing with them while they're there? You know, I think there's a, perception that, okay, well, I hired you to do this. So this is the only thing that you can do. And instead of helping that person maybe grow, you know, horizontally, like they haven't moved to classification or they haven't gotten a promotion, but maybe their duties are diversified. Um, their, their work becomes more interesting and more challenging that way. What, how can we, you know, take that person that you hired to do X and have them exposed to doing X, Y, and Z still within their classification, still, you know, not, not above their pay scale or anything like that. What, what type of, how does that play into the, doing the internal marketing that I feel we need to do? Well, I think it's just about being more mindful of how we manage people and not taking them for granted and treating them as commodities mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, they're an asset if we make them an asset right. and uh, um, to listen and, and develop our own management skills to have to curate an employee experience that is one that you'd want to live if you were there that you'd want your kids to kind of follow in the footsteps of. So um, it's just every aspect of that. How are we mindful of how we're treating our employees? How are we mindful of the performance reviews and the, and the um, onboarding and the recruitment and when any issue comes up in their life that they need help with and how do we make sure that we're keeping score and, increasing the commitment of each of our employees every step of the way and reselling 
the organization to the employees mm-hmm. on a daily basis. To, to if, keep them interested. If we walk in every day mm-hmm. and we say, um, you know, I am trying to figure out how I can sell my organization to my employees on a daily basis so that mm-hmm. it increases their commitment. I think at the end of the day, we're winning the battle on employer branding. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Work Life Unbalanced. I'm Jason Lichney. And I'm Regina Romeo. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Learn more at WLUBradio.com.